Welcome to Doc's Outside the Box Podcast. This is your official show, looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry. You're getting real live insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko. Hey, Dr. Nina Loom, how are you? Welcome to Docs Outside the Box. Hey, Dr. Darko, thanks for having me. I'm great. Good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm doing good. And this is a very interesting time because I've been getting a lot of questions through Instagram and through social media about just a whole bunch of different questions related to being an international medical graduate. And I just don't know that stuff. So I wanted to bring you on the show. Since you are all things IMG, you are a top IMG coach. You've written a book about this. You got a podcast about this, which is fire. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. I'm glad to be here. I'll share whatever knowledge I have regarding the IMG journey with you. Tell us where you're located at, what specialty you're in, where you're at, all that. Okay. So I am from Cameroon in West Africa. I live in Kentucky. I came in as an F1 student back in the day, transitioned to B1, J1, H1B, oh, all nine yards. What is, what is all that? What's the F1? What is all that? So F1 is a student visa. So you come in as a student and then you have to eventually do residency or first in my case, clinicals. So clinicals, we had to do those on a B1 visa, visitor business visa, and then transition into an exchange student visitor visa for residency training and post-residency training, a work visa, which is an H-1B visa. And now just recently obtained permanent residency last fall. So I live in Kentucky. Yeah, pretty exciting. Getting comfortable and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Getting comfortable in America. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I practice in Kentucky. As most IMGs know, when you have a J-1 visa, it's required of you to serve an underserved requirement, meaning you must work in a designated medical underserved area for three years post-graduation from residency, that is. So in my case, that meant moving to a smaller town in Kentucky and after completing family medicine residency, practicing as a hospitalist in rural Kentucky. So that's where I'm still located. And on my time off, I blog and podcast for IMGs because I understand this process is just one of the most complex processes that most physicians can go through. And I really dedicate my time to just kind of helping them. I have three goals is to empower, equip, and encourage IMGs with the IMG Roadmap Podcast and with my website, drninaloom.com. Damn, look at that. You co-authored a book called Two Physicians Advice for International Medical School Students and Foreign Medical Graduates that recently came out. I read the book, very easy read, but excellent book for those foreign medical grads, IMGs. This is definitely a book that you want to pick up on. Actually, I got a bunch of listeners who are in Africa. Uh, Oh, wow. I have some listeners from the Philippines. I got some international listeners who obviously if they're writing in these questions, this is a book that they definitely want to pick up besides your podcast also. So boom. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. So like I said earlier, I got some questions through Instagram that have been on the back far too long and I wanted to get your advice on them. So let's start with the first one. We're going to keep the names anonymous and I'll just get right to it. So this one first says, hi, Dr. Darko. I'm a non-US IMG, international medical graduate. 
I'm planning on applying for the 2021 match and I haven't written any steps yet. There are currently 15 months until June 2021 when I'd hope to have finished all the steps. I'm confused on how many months I should allocate for each exam. I know step one scores will only be important for 2021 and thereafter it won't be since it'd be pass fail. I don't feel confident for any of the exams as it's been one year since I graduated and I haven't done step one subjects in four years. So my basics are not that good. I don't know how much time to allocate for each exam. And I feel as though I am torn between giving more time to step one versus two CK, clinical knowledge, since two CK will be more important for each match season from 2022 onward. Please help me. Thanks in advance. Dr. Nina, what you think? Let's give this person a name so we can make him or her as real as possible, right? right. What name do you want to give him? Let's just say Dr. Grace. Dr. Grace. Here's what I'll tell Dr. Grace right now. As you're listening to this, I want you to grab a piece of paper and a pen and take some notes. Uh-oh, look at this. What you have in front of you is opportunity. Okay, Dr. Grace, first thing, you have a lot of time to get ready. If you're applying for the 2021 match, you are in the perfect position to start now. Now, the first myth I want to debunk for you is thinking that step one no longer matters because it's pass-fail. That is incorrect. We do not have evidence that step one will not carry as much weight as it has in the past. The only evidence we have is starting January 2022, it will no longer be a numerical score. Now, there is some hypothesis that CK will become more important, but we have no evidence to say such. That being said, I want you to focus on studying for the exams as if you were studying for the current match season. So do not try to start timing the NRMP or ERAS based on what hypotheses you're hearing from people on social media or on blogs. There's no evidence to support any of that. Now, the second thing is, when I started saying this, I said you had opportunity because you have a lot of time. I've talked to IMGs, coach IMGs who have done these exams in one year. So what you have in front of you right now is a perfect opportunity to prepare if you're planning to apply in September of 2021. And here's how you can do it. Because you are maybe three years away from basic sciences, you may want to consider taking CK first. Mm. The reason I say this is because CK is clinical knowledge. Most physicians in non-US settings have practiced either as a general intern in their home country for one or two years. And so they have profound clinical knowledge experience from firsthand experience. I know IMGs that have considered taking CK first and they do really well on that because actually what they're doing in real life, they're practicing as a general practitioner or participating in a residency program in their home country. And so they are really up to date with their clinical knowledge. What that would do for you is twofold. You'll do really well on it probably and it'll give you the gusto to then attack step one. For CK, our step one, USMLE step one, I do recommend that you follow your own timeline. I can't give you a specific schedule because everybody's different. Everybody studies differently. But I do think you can study for each of these exams under three months, okay? Especially CK. If you're clinical right now and you're working as an intern or a GP in any country in the world, you can do CK prep in under three months. So that means if you start now, you can be ready to take CK, a prometric, anywhere in the world by September. Okay. 
And you can do that so easily by getting your question bank, getting you a video resource, an audio resource, and a review book. Now, there are several on the market. I don't prefer one over the other. So you pick your poison, but everybody knows there's some names that sell and have created more successful doctors than others, such as GSM in the world, such as the first aid series. So those are things that you can definitely incorporate into your study time. Dr. Nina, they need to be sponsoring you. What's up with that, yo? <laughs> yes, yes, we need, they need to do that. That's just one example for CK, right? Now, step one is going to be the challenge for Dr. Grace because Dr. Grace has been maybe too many years away from basic sciences. But the good thing about doing CK first is it enlightens you and refreshes your memory to those basic science concepts. And like I said, the courage and confidence you get from doing well in CK is going to help you to then plan to take step one by January of 2021. Because then you took CK in September, you take step one in January, February, you have your results out by March. Hopefully the pandemic is long behind us. Step two CS is being postponed for 18 months. So you may or may not have to take that test. And that's an advantage for IMGs, in my opinion, though the ECFMG has not clearly stated what their plan is. But I do believe that that will pose an advantage for us. I think this is someone, you know, Dr. Darko, who has opportunity in front of them because they have a good time lag between now and when they choose to apply into residency. And two, being an international student or graduate, they probably have a really profound, vast knowledge of clinical medicine that they can go ahead and do CK first, gain some confidence, gain some gusto get their revision work done, and then attack C step one by January next year. That would be my recommendation for this person. Boom. Dr. Grace, you got all that? Cause she I hope, say, she I hope say she did. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So I don't know. Why is it so hard? Why do we make it so hard? Like, do people in different countries talk about like the arrogance of the American system? Do people consider it arrogant that you have to go through so many steps when you've been trained so You've gone through so many hurdles in different countries to get the training, but when you come to the United States, you kind of have to start all over again. Do people talk about that at all or no? Right. I think a lot of people have grievances with that because I have coached IMGs who came from Great Britain and Ireland and Germany and some other countries that have great medicine. And I'm not going to call any countries, but you know what I mean? Like they're from what we would consider good healthcare systems and they still have to go through this process. So I think it's a way that America has figured out to distinguish itself in the world in being a number one healthcare leader. Some people may argue based on our insurance policies and such, but I think that it speaks to the value that we have placed on U.S. education. Hmm. Yeah, you got a point there. Well, let's move on to our next question. So our next question starts off as a comment and then it goes into just kind of what we would do in his situation. So this gentleman starts off by saying some nice things, which are great. But he says, I'm really grateful for all the content you share via the podcast, especially the parts about finances. I also realized you have a Ghanaian name and wondered if you were from Ghana. Yes, I am. I am currently in my final year of medical school in the University of Cape Coast, Ghana, which two months away from graduation. I reached out because I am interested in doing a residency in general surgery or orthopedics in the U.S. and needed a bit more guidance. I have done some research and still know about the USMLE steps and other requirements to get a spot, but I still have some uncertainties as an IMG. So it looks like 
this person is kind of thinking about it, not sure. He's probably a couple of steps before Dr. Grace also. Yeah, I think they're in the right place for it right now, being that they're still in medical school. They're about a year from graduating. Ghana is actually one of the countries that have a prometric site in West Africa. So that's an advantage. This person would not have to travel outside of their country to take the USMLE, which is a big challenge for most other Africans because they have to travel to Ghana or to South Africa to take the USMLE. So that's one big advantage that this person has. But when you think about this, the fact that you just mentioned that, actually, you think about it, you're like, dang, just just take a test on a computer. You got to travel outside of your country to another country. That's crazy. Yes. The African doctors that I've coached with my program, I know a few of them either go to Ghana, South Africa, or Egypt, I believe, to take it. I mean, it's ridiculous. And you're paying money for it. And when you take the USMLE, either one of these places, your parametric fee is higher than what you pay in the U.S. because there's adjustments and it's less it. Yeah, so this person has that advantage because they're already in Ghana and it'll be a lot easier for them to travel to go take the test. Now, that being said, general surgery and orthopedic surgery are considered a little less friendly to IMGs, but not impossible. That's what I want to stress. It's not impossible, but you have to do the work. Here's what I mean by the work. You're a general surgeon, so you know very well what it takes to match into general surgery. But for an IMG, beyond their scores, beyond just passing the USMLE, they need to excel at the USMLE for one. And then two, they're going to need some type of US clinical experience, which is in the surgical disciplines, preferably even some type of research or active surgical research of some sort. Now, the advantage of being a medical student while wanting to pursue a surgical specialty in the States carries the advantage of being able to visit a U.S. surgical program as a visiting student from your institution. The reason that's important is that would eventually count as a U.S. clinical experience, which carries a lot of weight, especially when you're applying into a field that requires your hands as much as your mind. This person should consider looking at the American Medical Association's website for the Visiting Student Learning Opportunity Service, and it's called the VSLO. You can Google that, and you'll find that with the coronavirus pandemic, it's been put on hold, but it will be reopened at some point like everything else. And what they can do is start to look for surgical programs within that VSLO that they can travel into the United States to visit for a month and spend some time in the operating room with XYZ program that they apply into, to the VSLO program. And while they're in the States, they can begin to obtain mentorship from surgical attendings or even be exposed to secondary opportunities as a result of their time spent observing and shadowing or rotating with a surgeon via that program. Because that could become a gateway for them to network, which is one way that an IMG can get themselves into a residency position, especially when they don't have the credibility of their school or the backing of their dean and all the other things that come with maybe being a U.S. graduate. So that's one thing that this person can consider. Now, there are several other pay-for-service programs where you can obtain similar experiences and you pay from pocket. 
I have an online course actually for the IMG roadmap, which is where I teach IMGs how to create their own medical success stories. And in that course, one of the things that we do is we have a glossary of programs that have previously given IMGs these types of opportunities so that the IMG participating in the course can therefore reach out to these programs and apply into them. I also know other programs, which if this person is interested, I can share with them my affiliate links for, say, AMO opportunities, which is another program I partner with to connect IMGs to clinical opportunities in the U.S. That is one way and one thing that this person should seriously consider, especially because the field that they're interested in both fields, historically, when you compare those fields with internal medicine, family medicine, pediatrics, psych, neurology, surgery, and ortho have not accepted as many IMGs as these other previously mentioned specialties. What I mean by that is there are fewer surgical spots in general compared to the other specialties. So of course, there are fewer IMG spots for surgeons. So I really would want them to be ahead of the game, not just only from a score perspective, as far as excelling and getting over 240 and all of that with the USMLE, but considering networking, considering U.S. clinical experience, research, and they can begin their research in Ghana. It doesn't always have to be in America. But the advantage of being here is, is you can get opportunity that's not available to you in Ghana, which gets you a foot in the door, so to speak. I would really strongly recommend that the even while in Ghana, link up with your surgical chair and begin to work on whatever projects that you have at your medical school there. If your articles get published by several surgical societies, actually in Africa that are well recognized, the one I think of is like the Pan-African Surgical, whatever, you probably know that better than I do. But there are several surgical societies in Africa that they can present their research at. And as long as it's published, it's a publication. Of course, it's great if it's here with your American College of Surgery, but even if it's not, you are doing the work where you're located while preparing to move to the States. So let's call him Dr. Nana. So yeah. Dr. Nana, you got that? You wrote that down? I hope he did. I hope he <laughs> Dr. Did. Nina broke it down so that it will forever be broke. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> So this is awesome. Listen, you know, obviously you're extremely knowledgeable about this. We talked about your book. We talked about your podcast. Tell us where people can find you, where they can connect with you and how they can find your podcast. Yeah. Thanks for this opportunity to share a bit about the work that I do. My website is the first place. You'll find all the links to everything on my website. It's drninaloom.com. So D-R-N-I-N-A-L-U-M.com. And it'll direct you to the imgroadmap.com, which is IMG Roadmap, which just basically means this is the pathway for IMGs to follow. And on imgroadmap.com, we have courses for international medical graduates teaching you everything from how to start off approaching the U.S. medical system, how to prepare for residency, how to write personal statements, how to interview, even for those that are not familiar with interviewing in the U.S. system. And then, of course, the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google. It's the IMG Roadmap Podcast. And it's the only podcast that's dedicated to coaching and equipping IMGs with success tips for this unique pathway. I'm available on Instagram at Dr. Nina Loom as well. And on Facebook at Nina Loom. But preferably, if you want to reach out to me, you can always DM me on Instagram or send me an email through my website. Subscribe to the podcast, stay motivated, encouraged. I have free courses as well that you can take. So there's tons of free information for IMGs 
And for those who want personal one-on-one time or who want a little bit more focus, I have programs as well for them. There it is. Boom. Dr. Nina, thank you for coming on Docs Outside the Box. I appreciate you answering these questions from our foreign medical graduates or future foreign medical graduates. Guys, if you have any other questions for us, make sure you either, there's actually the best way is by clicking on the homepage, drnidarko.com and clicking on the right-hand side, that blue icon that says, ask me a question, will take you straight to SpeakPipe and you can leave a voicemail. Or if you prefer, you can also reach me at Dr. Nee Darko, that's N-I-I-D-A-R-K-O, at Instagram and leave me a question there and I'll be sure to get back to you A-S-A-P. So Dr. Nina, thank you so much for getting on the hot seat, answering these questions. We're going to have to do it again pretty soon, all right? Absolutely. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow your roll. Pump those brakes. Before you jump onto that next podcast, I need you to help me out. So if you enjoyed this episode, or if you enjoy this podcast in general, I want you to take one of two options. One, subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that new listeners can find it that much easier to discover this show. Or two, go to the homepage, that's drneedarko.com, spelled D-R-N-I-I-D-A-R-K-O.com. And click on the right blue icon that says, ask me a question and leave me your feedback. Leave me your concerns. Leave me your questions. Leave me whatever pisses you to F off. And I'll be sure to feature it on an upcoming Ask Dr. Nee segment. Listen, this show is nothing without you all. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. Peace.